This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Nails in the wall? No. No? Good. Take a talk to you tonight. Okay. So, so, so. I'm not using any of these forms just for the, for the camera to look good. Right <laughs> it's not playing yet. Oh, not playing yet. I can put them away. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to go backwards. Um, I'm going to go to the end of the parsha and then come to the first part of the parsha. Parshas Chukas. Or maybe I'll go the other way. Let's see. Okay. So you know, we'll start in the beginning, then we'll go. We'll go to the second part. All right. Good evening, everyone. Good night. Good evening. Good morning. Almost. Okay. Um, okay. Pasha Chukas. Sweet Pasha Chukas. And the Pasik says the following. Zayis Chukas Atayra. Sheziba Hashem Leimar. Daba Bnei Yisrael. Yichlul Chaparaduma. Mima Hashem Bamum. Should bring a paraduma that doesn't have a mum. I believe there's a paraduma right now in Lakewood. So I heard. Um, some people came here to show to check it out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they don't want to give an iron harvest, and they're not talking about it because there was one when I was a kid, and it got black hairs and white hairs. So it says in the times of Mashiach to be a paraduma. So there seems to be a paraduma. Um, so it has to be a, it has to be perfect. No two white hairs, two black hairs, and it can never have on it a, a yoke. You know, a yoke they put on to pull to pull the plow. Okay, zos chukasatayra. This is the chukasatayra. There are a lot of other chukim in the Torah. That we don't understand. Why can't he trade? Why can't he chazer? Like, who does that bother? That doesn't chew its cut. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. So, why specifically does it pick this mitzvah of paradum? So Rashi says, Because the satan and the goyim, they're going to bother all of us Jews. Lame was saying, Ma mitzvah azais. What's what's going on here? Red cow, ashes, sprinkling with water. It sounds like sorcery. That's what it sounds like. You know, ashes and water and sprinkling. Right? That's what it sounds like. So they're going to bother us. And they say, And what reason does it have? What's the reason that the, 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 the paraduma makes someone tar? Therefore, this is called Vachoy. Hashem says, that it's in front of me. I don't give you permission to even think about it. So we talk about this every year. Famous question. All the guys in this room, we all have a Yetzirah until Mashiach comes, right? I know a couple of guys maybe in this room that don't have a Yetzirah. Most of us have a Yetzirah until Mashiach comes. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm a lot older than everyone in this room, almost everyone in this room, but um, my Yetzirah never said anything to me about a paraduma. He talked about a lot of other things, a lot of other questions, right? But he never said to me like, Wallstein, like, what's up? I don't think you should be, I don't think you should be Jewish. I don't think you should believe in Hashem. Like, what's up with the paraduma? My, my answer, I, he doesn't answer this question. And definitely I've been amongst Goyim in business my whole life. And they've asked me, what's this on your head? Why are you wearing strings? You know, I tell them, Every Jew is a Jew with strings attached. But seriously, they ask me all these different questions, right? But <laughs> nobody ever asked me on a plane coming out of Utah. You know, the Mormons that are sitting on the plane, they ask me a lot of questions every time I'm there. 
right? And every time I go to visit kids in the rehab. But nobody ever said to me in the rehab, uh, Rabbi, what's up with the red heifer, man? Like, what's going on with that red heifer? Red heifer is in it. A heifer is a cow. Um, nobody ever asked me this. So Rashi is saying something over here, which is not, which is not true. The, the, the Yitzhah doesn't bother us about this. And, and uh, oh, good, maybe my phone's broken. We'll be quiet for the night. Um, see, that's how I look at it. <laughs> so, so the Kashi is, what is Rashi talking about over here, guys? It's not true. Yitzhah doesn't bother anyone about Paraduma. And Goyim never bothered us about Paraduma. And not only that, Hashem says, it's a Gezeira. You're not allowed to think about it. No one in this room, you're not allowed to think about it. There's a lot of other things we're not allowed to think about. But I don't know what's so bad if, I'm, if tonight we go home we're like, so I don't understand part of Duma, I want to look it up, right? There's a lot of other things we shouldn't think about tonight that we might think about tonight. But Zayla Mulfanai, whoa, like, whoa, if you didn't think about this. So what's really going on here? So there's really two Tarutsim. One Tarut is that it's brought down that the Para Duma, right? Um, so it says if Elazar, Aaron's son, is the one who takes the blood, who, who sprinkles it, right? So they ask why does it say Aaron? Because Aaron did the Egel. So the mother, which is the para, Egel is veal, it's a baby, baby cow. So the mother is Mechaper on the child. The child did an Aveira, the Egel, was an Aveira. So we bring the Paraduma to be Mechaper on the Egel. Aaron was involved in bringing the Egel. So he's out of the picture. So Allah, his son, who wasn't involved in bringing the Egel, he's the one who brings this covenant. So that's one Terence. There's a much deeper Terence that answers this Rashi. And the deeper Terence is that Paraduma, what's the chaik of it? In other words, what's the difference between a, the covenant of a Paraduma or a covenant Ayla? You also burn it. You also sprinkle the blood on the Mizbeach. All the Kabbalists you burn, you shaft, you burn, you sprinkle the blood. So, that's not the chayk. The chayk is not that you burn it and you sprinkle it. That's not what we don't understand because every carbon does that. What we don't understand is that when you do sprinkle it, the Kayang, good guy, Kayang's always a good guy, right? The Kayang, who's Tahar, becomes Tomei. And the guy who's Tomei becomes Tahar. Vizelo fair, as they say in Israel. Vizelo fair. How is it possible? It's going to be interesting because it's going to be going up and down. How's it, how's it, right. How's it possible if I have the power to make you tar that it should make me tame? Because it, it, something that makes me tame makes you tame. So if I have that power to make you pure, Right? And holy, how could that make me impure and unholy? That's not understandable. Sort of the good guy, right, is getting punished here. He, the client, it would make sense if the guy's tummy, the client sprinkles him, the client stays holy, and the guy becomes holy. That makes sense. But that the client should become tummy, that doesn't make any sense at all. Horizontally, that moves into a subject that is probably the hardest thing and uh, when you get to it, you have to turn off your brain and not think about it. And that is Sadiq Viralai. That, that good people suffer. And that bad people party. That is the biggest question that, that we do have. And sometimes we really see good people suffering. And um, 
and we just don't know how to handle it. We just don't understand how Hashem could do this, and then we see bad people, and they're in perfect shape. So that is a question that Moshe Rabbeinu had. Moshe Rabbeinu had a question, and he asked Hashem, I don't understand why Tzadikim suffer and Risham party. And Hashem said, I'm not answering that question. And David HaMelech said, asked the same question. Hashem said, I'm not answering that question. Because to really answer that question, Hashem would, re- re- would have to redo the world. By the Asare Ruge Malchus, the ten Tzadikim that died that we say every Tisha B'Av and on Yom Kippur, which is also very hard to understand, Rabbi Akiva, come on, he gave his whole life for Torah. And they raped him to death. They raped him with rape to death. You know, they peel the skin off his face when you say it. I mean, I cry, and I'm like, so even the Malachim asked the question. The angels asked the question. The angels asked the question, right? When they got to Rabbi Shmuel Kaingadal's Makam HaTfilin, right, he let out such a scream that the whole world shook. Because until then, he was willing to accept the pain. But once they peeled the skin off the place where he was his filling, he wouldn't be able to wear filling anymore. So that's when he scrimped. And it says the whole world shook. And the Malachim came to Hashem and they said, Zu They asked the question. This is, this is Rabbi Akiva who brought, who Moshe Rabbeinu saw, Hashem showed him in, in, in the Vua who Rabbi Akiva was, that he dashed and Rabbi Akiva was able to translate the trup on top, the, the crowns on top of the letters in the Sefer Torah. And the Malachim said, Zu This is, this is God, how you repay somebody? So they asked him a question. They asked Hashem a question. Malachim, the angels, they don't, they don't ask on God, right? They asked on God. This is how you repay someone who does good? And Hashem answered, if you say one more word, said to the angels, if I hear one more word from you, I will turn the world, the toyo into nothingness. So everybody asked the question. Hashem didn't answer the question. They asked him a question. Hashem, is this how you repay tzaddikim? And instead of Hashem answering, he said, if you say one more word, I'll destroy the world. He didn't answer the question. So Chazal said he did answer the question. He said, if you really want to know why this is happening to Rabbi Akiva, if you want to know why bad things happen to good people, then I have to take you all the way back to the beginning of the movie. You have to see the start. You have to see when the world was toyo before, before I did anything, when it first started. If you want to understand what I do, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. So what he was telling them, he wasn't telling them, if you ask me another question, I'm going to punish you. He was saying, if you really want to know the answer, then I have to destroy the world. We have to go all the way back to the beginning. So this question, the Holocaust, so you know, most times people have questions only when they have, when their questions are their answers to their behaviors. So guys don't ask about the Holocaust. And I'll have to tell you a crazy story. One second. So I was put in a room, I'm not going to say when because they're going to probably, they're probably listening. I was put in a room, specifically told Rabbi Wallace that you're going to come into a room and you're going to spend a half an hour with a group of Jewish boys, Jewish guys, your age, who are so anti-God that, that they're going to say things that are going to make you turn green, red, white, and we don't, we don't know if you really want to go there. I'm like, bring them on. And it was this past, I'm not going to say when because they're listening, but exactly when it happened. Not that long ago. So I went and I met them. And I sat down. And all the rabbis, that, you know, the people that brought me in, they're like, oh, Wallstein, you never met people, you never met guys like this. You never met guys like this. Anyway, so they started with the whole atheism and the whole, they were like, they were like I said, guys, 
Let's, before we get started, and I, I think this is such an amazing point, and they couldn't say anything about this. So, I'm teaching 37 years of Hashem in Yerbu. Um, all of you in this room, we all know Rashi. What does Rashi say? Yaakov sent messengers. What does Rashi say? Anyone here remember? Real angels. 37 years I'm teaching. Nobody ever asked me. I don't believe in angels. How do you know there's an angel? I never saw one. I never heard one. Who's their father? How do they come into being? Where do they come from? How old are they? How do they move? How do they talk? What do they look like? Never. Hashem? Who came? Where did he come from? How was he created? How do you know he's there? Who said, you know, who was his father? What, what was before him? Hey, 37 years, I'm talking about angels. Nobody ever asked me a question. Never. Did someone say to me, I never saw an angel, I don't believe in him. Because the really asked about the foundation. No. No, because having angels has no effect in your life. You don't have to answer to them. But God, I can't be with girls. I can't eat whatever I want. I can't do whatever I want. I can't be Michal Shabbos. So there, if I can prove that he doesn't exist or have questions on him, then that gives me, that's the answer to my misbehavior. But angels, let them, let them be. Who cares? I, I don't know. They don't give me mitzvot. So the basis of you're not believing because I can't see, baloney. It's not because you can't see them or where do they come from or how do you know they exist. So why don't you talk about angels? Why, a kid never asked me that question. Eighth grade, seventh grade, sixth grade. None of you ever asked that question. I'm willing to bet. No one in this room ever said, Rebbe, where did the angel come from? How did he create him? Does he die? Is he alive? Evolution? He just came from, well, we came from monkeys. He came from what, ants? Well, from bees, maybe because they fly, right? Maybe he came from bees. We come from monkeys. Monkeys walk, but maybe they come from bees, Right? Nobody ever came up with solutions and zakhin and mitzvahs. You don't hear physicists and all these people writing questions on the angels. Nobody asked that. Why? Because who cares? I don't have to be good because there's angels. Angels have no effect on my life. So you don't have to prove it to me. So the basis of your question, I told these guys, the basis of your question is not about God. The basic question is you want to do whatever you want. Okay, so you want to do whatever you want, do whatever you want. But don't, don't make believe that it's, that it's questions on God. Because that's not what's happening. Okay, they didn't like me so much. But anyway... Um, <laughs> No, it happened to be it ended up pretty it ended up pretty good because they were there asking me questions and for half an hour I spoke. They didn't get a chance to ask anything. So um, they didn't really get to ask their questions. But but this was a very very important point. But this is a this is a very, very, very big point that we all have. Whether we go to Lovaya or we see someone who's sick, who you know, even myself and I see a lot because of what I do, um, and I don't question Hashem. Because uh, who am I to question? It's like a goldfish questioning me. Like, why are you wearing that hat today? Like, hello, you're a goldfish. Go back in your little goldfish tank. I'll give you to eat. So, so I don't. I, but I was a few weeks ago in a psych ward, and I saw a Jewish girl going through such a terrible time that I, I just turned around. I was like, Hashem, you can't do. You just, you just, you just can't do this. Sadik Baralai, a very special girl, a really special girl. Who's going through not Gehenna, worse than Gehenna, and and it was I, I just I was in it was in Long Island Jewish, and I just walked out of there and I said I have a very big problem because I am I am now questioning my God on how He could do something to some to such a perfect special child how she could go through this and I got into my car and I drove straight to Bear Mountains, straight up, 
I had business to do that day and stuff to do that day, but I had a little bit of a question on Hashem. I, you can't remain with such a thing. It's, it, it grows. So I got into my car and I drove up to Bear Mountains. And I went straight up there. You know, I told you the story with the snake. Um, I went up there and I, and I, and I, and I, and I cried to Hashem and I'm like, I, I, this, this is, this is, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. You're allowed to ask your tati, your father, I don't understand. You can't say, you're a bad God, you're a bad, you're a bad daddy, but you have a right to say, Hashem, I don't understand. And I, Tadakarawai, I just, it just got to a point where I just didn't understand. By the time I came down from the mountains, I understood that I didn't understand. And that's my Drago boys. To understand that you don't understand. That's, that, that brings you to peace. You don't understand, I don't understand. That's, that you have to understand that you're not, your brain is not big enough to understand. I don't know the Gilgal. I don't know the Tikkun. I don't know what, you know, I'm, I'm walking in the middle of the play. I don't know the beginning. I don't know the end, right? I don't live forever. So I, but I had to get to that point. I, I Rabbi Walton, who gives speeches, and Muna, Hashem, all the time, boom, something I saw, Tadig and I had a problem with it. So I had to deal with it. And that's what the Yetzirah, will always bother you about. And that's what Rashi is saying. But the Umar Sa'ilam, the Goyim, and the Yitzhahara, right, I'm a good guy, and, and I'm trying to be, do the right things, and, and I can't make a Parnassah. And this guy's a crook, and he's got cars and houses and boats and planes, and, and I don't understand that. And the Yitzhahara is always asking you that question. So Para Aduma is a representation. This is the biggest chayk. The biggest chayk in the Torah is not why you can't eat pig because guess what it's not going to really affect your life the luck is you can't eat pig so the theory behind it did anyone ever think why I never thought why the Torah says you're not allowed to eat pig have a good day but when a tzaddik suffers you think why and that why is the biggest hook in the Torah is the biggest question in the Torah and Rashi says the guy will bother you the guy will always say you know many times you're the chosen nation and God chose you to lose six million I'm glad we're not chosen going to say it all the time we would have chosen nation, we would have gone through the Holocaust. Right? Um, Esau was supposed to go to Mitzrayim. He was really the Bukhar. He was supposed to go to Mitzrayim. Kleisha went to Mitzrayim instead of him. Right? That was the big thing on Amalek. Why was Hashem so angry at Amalek? Because Amalek was the child of Esau. Really, Amalek was supposed to be Mitzrayim, not us. Esau was the older one. So Yaakov ended up buying us going to Mitzrayim. So at least when we came out of Mitzrayim, you don't want to say thank you that we sat there for 210 years instead of you. Don't come down and attack us and try to kill us. That was a real cuffy time. And it says, right when we came out of the tram, like attacked us. Hello, we just sat for you for 210 years. Right? So, so this is the chayk that the Torah is talking about. And Hashem says, don't try to figure it out. Because you're going to come up with all the wrong answers. And you're going to become an api So that's a work. Sometimes you're going to see that. And we're all human. And I'm human. And I, I had to straighten it out. I had to come to a point. I, I, I meditated. I sat there. I got, I got connected with myself and I'm like, Zachary Walsh, you're a bug. So you saw something that bothers you, but who are you? You're, you're a bug. You're a bug in this world. So you have to trust Hashem. If you trust Him on the good things, right? You trust Him when He does good things for people, and you have to trust Him on the other side. You know, people go to Levias, they're, they're, this one died, that one died, he died young, I don't understand Hashem, what's going on over here. But I know, they don't have tours of, 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 you know, Maimonides has babies every day, probably 200 babies being born. Little cute human beings coming into the world, right? Any of us ever go to see, walk through the infirmary, take a look at Hashem's new Brius? Nobody. You go to Levi, you're like, I don't understand. Hashem, what's with this guy? He has kids. And he has this. How could you do this? Right? But we never go to see the other side. There's a whole picture. 
we don't get to see the whole picture. So that's what this that's what this pasuk is talking about. This pasuk is talking about tzaddik v'raloi and rosh v'tayloi, and that's what Rashi is saying. Therefore, the Rashi saying zeri v'lefanai l'chorishus. You don't have permission. It's an interesting word. Not you shouldn't think about it. Hashem says I don't give you permission to think about it because you're not going to get the answer. So I'm not giving you rishus b'haraboy to even to even think about it. So that's the beginning of the that's the beginning of the of the parsha the parsha paraduma, which we hope to see very soon because the paraduma come back when Mashiach comes. Now, this is a very tragic parsha. Miriam dies. And after Miriam dies, the water stops, right? We know that. And Hashem says, And talk to this talk to the stone, and water will come out. And they all gathered, and he said, listen to me, you rebellious ones. You're complaining about water? I'm going to take water out of this rock. He lifted up his hand and he hit the stone with the stick twice and the water came out. Oh boy. You didn't listen to me? You decided to hit the rock? Therefore, you are not going to be able to be limited to the It seems to be a very minor thing that he did. That he hit the rock instead of spoke to the rock. I hit the rock and spoke to the rock. What's the big difference? So I heard a very beautiful shot. And the beautiful shot is that that, that he didn't get. He didn't. That first of all, one shot is that really Aaron and Moshe were supposed to get punished, not to go into Israel for something totally different. Aaron because he helped build the Egel, and Moshe because he sent them. He sent the Maragam. So they were both part of an Avera. He shouldn't have sent them wrong, but Hashem didn't want to point them out to make it look like that he sent them wrong with an Avera and that what Aaron did with an Avera. So here, Hashem had a chance. They did something wrong. It didn't, it wasn't a major thing, right? He said, you can't go to Israel for that. So we're not really judging Moshe now. We're pretty much judging Hashem. Like, why? That's so severe. So Hashem's taking the hit. Beautiful. I saw this shot tonight when I was preparing. In other words, if Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't allowed into Israel because he sent them wrong, ha <laughs> He deserves not to go in. Look what he did. He messed up the round with 40 years. They're stuck, they're stuck in the midbar. If Aaron, because he, he, what he did with the Egel, right? And he told them to gather all their gold. And that's why he didn't go in there. So, oh, what a very, he deserved it. Hashem didn't, Hashem's covenant. Hashem didn't want that his motion, Aaron, we should, this should be like a big sin that they did. So now, when he hit it, instead of spoken to it, it sort of looks like Hashem is the very bad, the strict one. Not that they did it. They did a little thing. Why you pick on them, right? So Hashem took the hit. I saw that today. I saw that today in a, in a, in a safer. But um, what happened here is very interesting and very scary to be a Rebbe. Very scary to be a Rebbe or a leader. Because what really happened here, why they really got punished, is not for hitting the rock. It's for Shimonu HaMairim. It was the first time that Moshe Benu ever called Klai Yisrael the rebellious ones. He lost it. Until now, he always protected them. Here, he said Lashon Har on them. He called them rebels. And therefore, it's brought down that um, 
Sadik, right? Ain't a vera by Sadik, Hashem protects him from doing an avera. So how did Moshe Avera hit the hit the rock instead of speak to the rock? So the terrorist is that he couldn't have hit the rock first and then called them rebellion. The minute he said the rebellion, it's unbelievable shot. I saw it. It's, 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 and it's so scary to be a rebbe or to be a rav or to be a leader of Israel. He would have never made that mistake. The minute he said right. And he called them rebellion rebellious ones, he was no longer their leader. He lost that protection of that tzaddik that ain't avera ball yada, that he won't he won't come to be doing an avera. You hear? Mashrabainu lost his protection. He he protected them from the egg of the man, a million different things, split the yam, spoke to Hashem, he was on the top and top of Kedusha. You called my children rebellious? You lost your protection. And that's why he ended up hitting the rock. He ended up hitting the rock because he said, Shimon HaMairim. Could you imagine if Moshe Rabbeinu calls Israel rebellious? And they were so rebellious. Shem says, you, you are a leader of my children. You cannot call them anything. You cannot say, Moshe Hara on my children. So I'm very scared because I give, I give a lot of Moshe. Right? I'm like, uh-oh. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu, it's, it's scary. Hashem is so defensive of us. So defensive of us. They were sinning. They were, they were, they did everything that you can imagine wrong. Egel, Miraglim, Kairach were coming into this. So, 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 my Shabbat called them a bunch of rebels. No, they were. No, you're the leader. You can't call them rebels. Wow. So leaders can't get up and talk bad about Israel. Very careful. And that's why he, that's why he fell into this, um, into this Avera, because of Shimon HaMairim. He's very scared, very careful. Guys walk around, you know, did you hear about this rabbi and that rabbi? Did you see the news? Did you see the, you know, the, the what's his name? The, what's that guy online? The, uh, failed Mashiach, failed Messiah, right? Everyone's watching, listening to everyone talk to about Kleistro. This guy abused this guy, this guy, that guy, this guy, uh, the Jews, this guy's in jail, he stole, he, no, you're not allowed to talk bad about Kleistro. Hashem is very protective. Not the good guys. You were the bad guys. You were the good guys. He said, Shimon Amayra, he lost. Meshavayra lost his temper for a second. What did he call him already? What did he call him? Bad name? You call him a bad name. Shimon Amayra, you're a bunch of rebels. They were rebels. No, you're not allowed to if you're the leader. You can't talk about them like that. So you got punished. Big punish. You see how much you want to go into Israel. All right. This is a very beautiful shot that I never said before. And this is how we're going to end tonight's shear, but it's very fascinating. Okay, what happens? So, Moshe Rabbeinu is having a very hard time. Miriam dies, Aaron dies, which was his two supports, and he loses his chance to go into Eretz Yisrael. This is a tough partial for him. He loses his brother, his sister, and his ability to go into Eretz Yisrael. Okay? So, and he asks, he asks the Canaanim if they could go through. They say no. Amalekim, attack them. They're having a very hard time. So, Kleisro, who does not let up, and the, the nation began to talk bad about God and Moshe. But why did you take us out of Mitzrayim to die in the midbar? He ain't lechem, but ain't mayim. We have no bread, we have no water, which wasn't true. 
They had the man, but it wasn't bread. Then Hashenu Katsa Belechem Hakleikel, and our souls are we're like Katsa. How would you say Katsa? Shortened. No, we're, we're, we're sick and tired of the man of this Lechem Hakleikel, right? Now we learned for the last who knows how long, and we wrote a book about it, right? The one thing Hashem doesn't put up with is a person who's a kafli tayv, a person who does not appreciate, does not appreciate what he gets. And I have to tell you that I had a special appreciation. I took my mother this week; um, she has cataracts. I took my mother to an eye doctor, one of the top eye doctors in Manhattan, and the room was full of people who can't see. They had one patch, two patches, operations, and all kinds of things. And I sat there and I just listened to what, what I wanted to ask him. He's a Jew. I was waiting for two hours and he walked by me the doctor and he says I promise you I'll have you out by Sukkot so I knew he was Jewish I knew he was Jewish I said Sukkot would be good at this rate but um, amazing the eyes amazing do we appreciate the way could you can anyone in this room ever think about living in a world that's black that you don't know the difference when you wake up or when you go to sleep it's crazy I tried a whole thing about that people who are blind there's no difference when they wake up or when they're asleep so you wake up and you open your eyes and it's dark I don't want to say how I would jump off a building but pretty close so, so you have you have Baruch Hashem vision and two eyes you know, I had this boy that um, came over to me three weeks ago in shul in, in Shemr Shabbos and he come, came over to me and said Rebbe a boy that I know for a long time he says Rebbe I need a special brothel this week I'm like, you should be gesund. You should have clarity. You should be gesund. No, 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 no. He says, I'm going to an eye doctor on Tuesday. I need a special bracha that my, that, that my eye should be okay. I'm like, what's wrong with your eye? He says, I only have one eye. I know this boy for years. I didn't realize that he had the other eye was a glass eye. I didn't realize that. He says, really, I only have one eye. And if that eye goes blind, I don't see anything. So that meant, so you know what I did? I dabbed him with one eye closed. I wanted to see what he sees. Try. Try to walk around with one eye closed. There's no peripheral vision. Or make your cuckoo ruku. There's no peripheral vision. You can't see the other side. So now in the morning when I stand by the door and I thank Hashem, I used to thank Hashem, have my eyes closed and say thank you Hashem, I can see and you know, open both my eyes. Now I'm like, thank you Hashem for one eye and thank you Hashem for the other eye. Because seeing's not enough. Seeing with two eyes, not just one. The worst thing that a person can do is be a kafri type. Here, Klai Yisrael, Hashem gave them man. Man was a mighty lechem min hashamayim. It had no pesaylas. You didn't go to the bathroom. You didn't get a stomach ache. You didn't get heartburn. It tasted whatever you wanted. I mean, God came. He did everything. He came up with like, I'm going to give you something. It tastes like anything. It fills you up. You don't get fat. Imagine that, right? You don't get fat because it doesn't go into your body. He said the people did not get fat. It goes into your soul and it fills you up. It doesn't, it doesn't go into your body. It sort of nourishes you spiritually. Crazy. Hashem made this month for them. And now they're saying, we don't want, our, 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 we're full. We're stuffed with your, with your, with your month. When you do that, and you're a kafri tov, Hashem sent into the Jewish nation poisonous snakes. And the snakes bit Klai Yisrael and many of them died. 
We did sin. We spoke bad about Hashem. and you. Get rid of the snake. So instead of Moshe Ben saying you deserve this, you bunch of cuffy toys. Hashem gives you money and you complain about it. You're stuffed with it. You, you don't want it anymore. It disgusts you. So he began to daven. Hashem said, not enough. Kofi Toiv, not enough. Daven is not enough. You got to do something. I want you to make a, um, a, 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 Saraf is a poisonous snake. The Simoy Salah put him on a pole. Anyone who gets bitten, should look up at the snake. And Moshe made a copper snake. And you put it on the stick. And if you got bit, you would look at this nachash, at this copper snake, and you would live. Of course, that copper snake was, I believe, destroyed because it would, be, would have become an avayinazara. Hashem did not tell him to make it out of copper. Hashem just said, make a snake. He made it out of copper. I'll make it out of copper. Okay, so here's something very, very fascinating. And the question is like this. If they just got bitten by snakes, why did Hashem tell him to put a snake on top of the pole? The whole reason of putting a snake on top of the pole, the, the snake doesn't... The, the copper snake didn't make you heal you. But by looking up at the snake, you looked up at Hashem, you realized that you did something wrong, you connected to Hashem, you looked up at Shemayim, and that's what... So if that's the case, why don't you put a safe terror on top? Snake? The snake is what bit me. The last thing I want to see is a snake. You get bit by a snake, you don't want to see snakes anymore. Right? So the last thing in the world to put up there is a snake. Because the snake just bit them. They're all going to run away. They're going to go crazy. What, you, you, you're trying to scare me again? You just got bit by a snake. You want, you want to scare me again? Right? You got bitten by a lion. I, I'm not going to the zoo. I'm not going near a lion. That thing bit me. I'm not going near it. So why did they put a snake up there? Why did they put a safe tire up there? Chumish. Right? By the way, that's the sign that doctors have of the snake wrapped around the, the stick. Come, right. That comes from that come, and everything. That comes from this. So the question is, why a snake? Beautiful. And... I just had a huge argument this Shabbos with a therapist about this. So remember I told you about the uh, the um, mirror and the and the windshield that you can't drive if you, you can't drive looking in the mirror, you'll crash into everything in front of you. You have to drive looking at the windshield. So people who live their life by just continuously going back to what they went through, they can't go forward. Oh, the therapist went after me on that. Oh, you have to go backwards. I'm like, okay, you go backwards. Okay, we have to go forward. We have to, you can go backwards. We go forward. But anyway. Um, and, and no, and, and no, he tied it to me. He said, Wallstein, not, not everyone can go forward. You know, not because I was giving a whole speech on that, that, that what you go through, what your struggle is, that's what gives you your backpack. It's called, it's called the struggle muscle. So when someone's abused, whatever they went through, it gives them a backpack that they can help others that went through the same thing, right? He says, You're not, you, have no right to, you have no right to put that, to tell people to do that. Sometimes success is just surviving, just living. So I don't agree with that. Success is not just living. Just living, you don't have to come to this world just to live. You have to come to this world just to live. Surviving is not success. Success is doing something with your life. 
Now I'm probably going to get killed for saying this because what do you mean? But if a kid, right? So surviving, right? Surviving. If you don't survive, then you can't use your struggle muscle in your backpack. So we got to get you to survive. But don't stop there. Listen, I'm a success. I'm surviving. I'm living. That's not success. Hashem didn't bring you into this world just to live. Then you could have been a tree. Trees are also living. So you have to you have to get to survival mode to get to the mode to be able to help others. But to be satisfied, just like okay, what did you do in your life? I lived. That's not Hashem didn't create you to die to commit suicide. He created you to live. That's not success. Success is to do something with that living, with that life. He's going to kill me for saying this. But anyway, that's the truth. The truth is just survival. Yes, we have to get this person to the rehab and we have to get them to be alive because if they're not alive then they can't use their backpack they can't do anything so the first thing is you have to create the Kaylee you have to create the Kaylee to get the person normal and healthy mentally healthy and physically healthy so that he can do what he has to do but but don't stop and say ah oh, so she tried to kill herself and now she's not trying to kill herself anymore we've been successful no you haven't been successful you've been successful to keep her alive but now let's get successful let's take that life and use it for something just living in this world is not success. Sorry, everybody. That's not success. That's not why Hashem brought you here. Hashem brought you here to do something. So yes, that's the first step. is survival. And after survival, we have to move into success. Survival, success. Got it? Okay. So, the answer is, and this has been my belief, and this is part of that, that, that idea. The answer is, you got to look the snake in the eye. you got to look at what bit you you got to look it in the eye, and you got to look at it together with Hashem. So, so if you went through abuse, if you went through abuse, you gotta you gotta look at that abuse, and you gotta look at what you went through. And I survived, and together with Hashem, I can heal. You gotta be able to look at the snake. You can't look all around. You have to look at what happened to you. I'll read it to you the way I wrote it with my book. The way I wrote it was. Oh, and, 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 and we know that, that everything in the physical world and spiritual world is the same, right? So listen to this. Why a snake? Snake venom is the antidote to the snake bite in the physical world. You get bitten by a rattlesnake, so the anti-venom is the venom of the rattlesnake. The anti-venom is made from the venom of the actual snake. That's where it's made from. So you see that the antidote to the bite Right is the actual venom from the snake itself in the physical world. So in the spiritual world, right, the anti-venom comes from what happened to you. If you take what happened to you and you refine it together with that Baruch Hu, that becomes your anti-venom. Facing your fears is what gives you growth. If you turn around and you run away from your fears, you're not going to grow. So Moshe Rabbeinu put the snake that bit you Look at the snake that bit you. But together with Hashem, you can beat that bite. And therefore, the Chai, they were able to live. If they were to look at it and say to Torah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been able to, wouldn't have given them that Chiyas. The Chiyas came because the thing that bit them, now, you can ask me a question, why snake? What's the meaning of me? They, they said to Hashem, the man, the man, we're fed up with that man. So, 
So why did why why did snakes bite them? Why did he send snakes? Why he always sent the plague? They died. They had a disease, right? By by by, by Moab, twenty four thousand died in a plague. It's always a plague, a plague, a plague, a plague, a plague. Well, so we're using live animals, like in Mitzrayim, the Arrow. Why did Hashem send snakes? You ever think about that? What's the meter connecting me that they didn't like the mind? Hashem sent them snakes. So the answer is beautiful terrors. Because what was the Nachash all about in Pashas Voracious? The Nachash was a kafoi taiv. The Nachash was the only animal in the world that stood on twos and had the power of speech. In fact, it's an unbelievable um, medrash and a zayar that how did the Nachash get in to Ganeiden? Other Mechaber in Ganeiden with the tree, but all the animals were outside Ganeiden. They didn't allow animals into Ganeiden. So when, when, when she approached the tree, the Nachash was talking about the tree, what was he doing in Ganeiden, says the Zayar? What's the Nachash doing in Ganeiden? The Nachash must be outside with all the animals. So it says that Adam and Chava brought the Nachash into Ganeiden. Because the Nachash was the only animal that could speak, and the only animal that walked on twos. So they wanted a servant. This brings it down in the Zayar. They wanted someone to serve them. So they, they wanted a servant. So they, they brought the Nachash into Ganeiden to be their servant. So the Nachash was the only animal in the whole world that had the power of speech and stood on two like a human being. It was a reptile that stood on two. Mama stood on two and had power of speech. You kafli toys, you of all the animals in the world that I gave, Hashem gave the power of speech and the ability to stand, you went ahead and taught Chavim to eat the Eitz And what was his, his kayak? What's Kafri Taif? Because he told Chava, you have everything, you have everything, but you don't have this one thing. So, but, but, if, if I give you everything, I don't give you the one thing, and I tell you not to eat the one thing, and you eat the one thing, that is the most ingrate person you could be. I give you everything in my house, you can have everything you want in my house. Just one thing I don't want you to eat, that's for me. I'm gonna eat that for supper. Everything else you could eat. And you go, you eat that thing. So you're an ingrate, you're, un, you're ungrateful, right? So, the Avera was Kafri Taif, the Nachash was Kafri Taif, Adam, who ate from the tree, blamed Hashem. You gave me the woman. It's her fault. It's your fault that you gave me the woman. He was a kafri toiv. So the whole nachash, the whole thing was kafri toiv. Therefore, what better punishment for Klaisrael, who's saying the man that you gave us, we're fed up with it. We don't want it anymore to be bitten by the snake. Because that was the snake. That was the nachash. The whole nachash was kafri toiv. So therefore, and he, and he brings down here, uh, uh, the, the, it's, it's a chidah. Chidah says, let's read it to you from inside, it's really hard to understand. The chidah says that we're talking about Haman. Why did the Nachash come and attack the Jews? Because they spoke Lashon Hara about the man. They said, we don't want it, it's disgusting, it doesn't fill us up. Gam Haman Harasha Hifli Ludabal Lashon Hara Yisrael. So he's saying Haman and Haman, and he talks about Moshe Rabbeinu that Moshe Rabbeinu knew he saw in the Vua what was going to happen in Megillas Esther. So, so this stick that they hung the Nachash, Haman's compared to the Nachash we spoke uh, when we when we learned Megillas Esther. So he was Moshe Rabbeinu. This is a chida was rep, was already was it say Maisa of a similar banim. So he put the nachash on the stick. He hung the nachash on the stick because later on Haman, who was the nachash, who was Esav, was also going to be hung up on a stick. It's
So every since we realize we don't know nothing, right? We don't know what's going on. But much we don't know nothing. This the stick, the nachash, right? Then he brings down nachash stands for mechoshes. Um, um, Why was it copper? Stands for Noach and Shesh. They were gugulim of Noach and Shesh. Mechoshes spells Noach and Shesh. The 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 dairies of Noach and Shesh were also copper. Were also over there by the Zara. It's very. It's, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on over here. Okay, I want to end. I want to tell you a story. Well, we really have a lot of stories, but okay. Um, it's very late. You guys are falling to sleep, falling asleep. So, number one, I want to tell you a story about Lush and Hara. Fantastic story about Lush and Hara. Um, so, last week's parsha, Kairach spoke Lush and Hara. We know what happened to Kairach. The week before, Klaifel spoke Lush and Hara and Eretz We know what happened to them, to the Miraglim, right? Over here, they spoke Lush and Hara on the Mun. We see what happened to them. A couple of parshas, right? Miriam was before that. She spoke Lashon Hara. Moshe, there's like four or five parshas over here with Lashon Hara, going through Lashon Hara. So, there's a story about this man who had a son, and this son always spoke Lashon Hara. He just came home, Dad, you want to know what this guy did? Dad, you want to know what this guy did? What Rebbe did? Oh, you heard about this? You heard about that? This kid came home every day with him. He's full of Lashon Hara. So, um, his father didn't know what to do. His father said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Every time you have that burning feeling that you want to speak Lashon Hara, you're going to the backyard, you take a nail, and so, instead of saying Lashon Hara to me, you'll knock the nail with all your power into the into the fence. Okay? A month later, there's like 600 nails <laughs> in the fence. Because this guy really loved to talk Lashon Hara. But slowly, you know, after knocking the nail, knocking the nail, getting it out, he slowly stopped talking Lashon Hara. It worked. Like after a month, 600 nails, but then it slowed down, 610, 12, finished. He was done. He's like, Dad, I don't talk, I'm not, it worked. I'm not talking Lashon Hara anymore. So this father said, okay, but now what I want you to do is every time that you want to talk Lashon Hara and you don't, take out a nail. Cool. Okay. So, it took him a month or a month and a half. All 612 nails are out. Took his last nail out. His father said, he said, Daddy, we're going to make a party. Look at, look at, I took all the nails out. All right? Baruch Hashem, I'm cured. father said, come outside. I want to show you something. Plead the story. So I want to show you something. He takes him outside and he shows him the fence. He says, look at all the holes in the fence. He says, yeah, there's like 650 holes, 630 holes. He says, you see, with Lashon Hara, even when you take things back, the hole remains. When you speak bad about someone, even if you do tshuva and you ask him mechila, but all the other people who heard the Lashon Hara, it remains, the hole remains. The Lashon Hara, you can't say because you can't take it back. Because even you took it, even all these times, like you, you went to, right, you pulled it out, but it leaves a hole. You hurt somebody, leave a hole. And, and, and cyberbullying and, and class bullying what's going on in schools today and clicks and this and that the pain that people feel that kids go through so even if you make nice later there's a hole and then we gotta go to therapy and then we gotta have low self esteem the basis of drugs and basis of of being vulnerable as a child and going through all the things that children go through is mainly 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 low self esteem and where does that come from low self esteem it comes from clicks and not, not making the person part of your group and stuff like that so they you know most people they are a reflection of the people around them and if there's no friends and no support for them then they become very teeny like the Moroccan they become like a grasshopper they become really really teeny so so the lesson of this this fence is that you have to understand that when you knock a nail in and you hurt somebody and you talk about Shahara even when you pull the nail out there's still a hole so you can't say it in the first place. You can't talk Hashanah in the first place. All right. So, Abbas Kayim. Short one. Um, not so short. 
So, it's a very weird story. It's a very weird story. But um, the reason he brings down this story is because the Mepharshim say that the Pora, Aduma, was Machaper for the Egal. So the father, the mother, was Machaper uh, for, the, for the child. He says, but sometimes we see that the child or the Talmud of the Rebbe is able to save the Rebbe. Okay? So he tells the story like this. What he says, I'm going to read to him inside. He only he brings out a lot of Kabbalah stories out of time. I used to teach this a lot. I haven't done it in a while. But this week I prepared it. So I have, I'm going to tell you one out of the two stories. But the second story is very, very long. He says the story like this. He says there was a very... Um, in, in, in the city of Lita. Okay? In the city of Lita. Probably a, a thousand years ago. There was someone there called Rav Zundel HaChassid. And it was very hard to travel from city to city. Um, in those days, it was very hard to travel altogether. And there was this poor boy, and he heard that Rav Zundel had a house. He, he was a Yassam, he lost his father, he was an orphan. And he heard that Rav Zundel, in his town of Lita, had an orphanage. He had a house. Okay? So, he wanted to go there. He was, he was 17 years old, and he wanted to go there very much, and his mother did not want him to go there until he... He pestered her and pestered her and pestered her and said, I need a Rebbe and I need a place. And she let him go. Okay. So, he went for six months and he learned there. And he used to come back to see his mother every time there was Yantif. And he was growing, he was growing, he became very close to the Rebbe. He became very close to Rebbe Zundel. He says, after two years, one day he was walking, he was going home for Yantif. And he got lost. And he ended up in a desert. And it became dark, and he was very scared because in the woods that he was, it was full of listim, it was full of robbers and, and wild animals. And he began to cry and began to daven. And all of a sudden he saw, as he was walking through this forest in the dark, he saw a huge house, like a palace, palted a palace. And it was all lit up, so he was very happy. And he came to the door, but something bothered him. It didn't look from this world, this house. It looked, it looked different. So he turned around. He said, you know what? I'm not going in. I'll just sit outside. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's robbers in this house. I don't know who's in the house. And all of a sudden, he heard, he heard, he heard his name being called. Ephraim, Ephraim, Bohena, come here. All right. So someone's calling him from the house. Someone who knows him. So he opens the door. He comes in. Ulam Gadol is a big room. And there's a huge table. And around the table... Are all these tzaddikim sitting there? And one of them was Daniel the Malach Hashem, looked like a Malach of Hashem. And the old man that was sitting at the table, they were tzaddikim, said, "Bini, my son, right, Tefraim, Ulayat Roichelores is Rabchor of Zunla Chasid. Do you want to meet your Rebbe, Zunla Chasid?" The Bucha became very, very scared. And he wasn't able to answer. This old man said, Rav Zundel, come here. Rav Zundel, Bahena. And the Bakr saw that Rav Zundel was there, wrapped in a talus, wearing tefillin, like he, was, like he recognized him. And the old man took Rav Zundel and this Ephraim outside. And standing outside, I'm reading the story from Chaim. Standing outside the door were two huge black dogs. And the old man, the old tzaddik, 
said to the Klavim to attack. The two doors attack Rav Zundel, this is his Rebbe, but Karoi Zarev and ripped them to pieces. You hear this? Ukishra Talmida, when the Talmud, when Ephraim saw this, Nafal, he fell, he fainted. One of the Kenyan were there, gave him back his soul. Maybe you don't know what you just saw. Maybe you didn't see clearly. After went to the rest of the Shuv, you want to see Rebbe again? They called him Rabzundal. And they took him, he was again came in, he was wrapped in a talus and fell in. Again, the Shuv Rabbah and the dogs came. This Napla Rabzundal, and they jumped on Rabzundal. The Hagawai said, Give me Shayna, the Misa Mishuna. And they killed Rabzundal in a terrible way. She also called Gufa Luxaram, they turned his body into to pieces. Shuv Hamidah Nafal and Mesal Makam. Ephraim died on the spot. He couldn't see such a thing. He died on the spot. Shubit zeros rucha v'nishmat v'shal bachar. They gave him back his neshama. V'ichnisa yaitzah v'tayta ulam. And they brought him back into the main room. Shalmi menal hazakein. Malam aratuni menal. What did you learn from what you just saw? Val eze... No, what... Yeah, what did you learn from this? Val eze mitzvah tomatzi yaitzah v'kulam. What's your special mitzvah? They ask you that in Shemayim. What's your special mitzvah? Everybody has a special mitzvah that he keeps. It's his mitzvah. Right? He couldn't, he couldn't answer. Finally, he said, the mitzvah of tzitzis. My special mitzvah is the mitzvah of tzitzis. I, ne- I always wear tzitzis. I never take off my tzitzis. Oh, so, they said, take it off. Let's see if your tzitzis that you're wearing right now are kosher. He was standing like he was dead. He couldn't move his hands or his feet. So he took off his talus kata, and they found puzzle. His talus was possible. He, he, he was missing two tzitzes. This is the mitzvah that's your special mitzvah? You don't even keep that mitzvah? Take it with your chutzah. They, they took him out. I'm, again, I'm reading this to you from Amos Chaim. I'm not making this up. Take it with your chutzah. They took the boy and fry him out. Ramzul the and they called the dogs. This napu Allah, they jumped on him. And they ripped out his eyes. And they ripped off his feet. And he fell to the ground crying, Ima, Ima, Abba, Abba. Have Rachmanus on me. Okay. So the, the one of the Sadiqim that was there came and he had a safe and he said, If you don't, if you don't keep the mitzvah, your mitzvah is tzitzes. And they're not kosher. And you don't keep the mitzvah, what do you need your eyes for? Your eyes, you need to look at your tzitzes if you have kosher tzitzes. So what do you need your eyes for? So you're here in Shemayim. You don't need your eyes. We take your eyes out. So his Rebbe came to him. You all want to hear at the end that it's a dream, right? That's what you want to hear. So it has to be a dream. This can't be a real story, right? Okay. Listen to this. Don't cry. And don't be upset. Everything you saw is not a dream. It's the truth. Take a reaper, lay hang nine by a lion, his rebbe healed his eyes and his feet. He says, after you left, when you left me in yeshiva to go home, I died. I, I died. You left, and I, and I had a heart attack, and I died. And they've been judging me since then, the way you see, that this... They take me out, the door grips me apart. They take, put me back to bed together again. They take me out, the door grips me apart. He says, what you see is really true in the next world. 
He says, why? He says, don't think that I did an Avera. That's why they do that to me. Listen to this voice. This is the point I want to make. He says, why are they doing this to me? Why do they keep ripping me apart? It's very painful. He says, because there is one orphan girl. That gave me money to watch for her. He was the rub of the town. She trusted him. But actually, he writes to this chaten, and now she's ready to get married. She goes to my wife. And she asks my wife for the money. And my wife says, I don't, know about, I don't know about any money. I'm not giving you any money. I don't know about any money. So this poor girl cries. She, she's an orphan. That's for her own money. She, she wants to get married. And he hid it. And he died. And his wife's not giving it to her. Every tear of this orphan girl. Every tear. Every time she cries and there's one tear. They take me out to the doors and they rip me apart. Because... I'm causing a Yusayma to cry because I didn't tell my wife that I had the money where it was. But they had Rachman for me in Shemayim. They brought you here. That, that you should be able to, my, my student should be able to save the Rebbe from this pain. Now my son, go fast to my house. And dig under my bed, mitzana roish in the front of the bed. Mitzin t'shem teicheli echad akesav. You'll find the money of this kesav and give it to me. Amalei atamid, Rabbi Eifo. I need nimsa. Amalei hine atad nimsa karvlier. So he said to his Rabbi, "Well, where am I? I'm lost in the woods. How am I going to find your house? I'm lost. Where am I?" He said, "Don't worry about it." Pascha enav. He opened his eyes. Baruch hamaseir, and he was right by the wall of the city of his Rabbi. Russell beis Rabbi. Russell yisaim abaycha. He saw the, 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 the orphan girl crying with the Reshish Kasper, take him Nichnas and looking for her money, take him Nichnas the base of Rebbe, he took the money, he gave it to her, Ubalaila that night, Baha Rebbe Bachaloy, the Rebbe came in a dream, Baamalai Tanuach Nafshka, the girl at Tadikum Lakarikas Yam, I can't remember. Says Baruch Hashem, I'm done, I'm, I'm resting, I'm good, and that one day you should be together with the Nachla of, of the Tzaddikim. This sounds like a very wild story. We're having a wild story. Why are you telling us this story? The reason I'm telling you this story is twofold. One, listen to what they do to you in Shemayim because you're causing a person to cry one tear. They take you and they rip you to pieces. For one tear of one year, and he, he wasn't that very raised up. He didn't steal from her. Imagine, he steal from someone. He didn't steal from her. He hid the money. And he didn't tell his wife where it was. So he caused her pain. Was somebody pain? It caused you so much pain in Shemayim. What a what a what a crazy lesson. And also the lesson is that look what the Talmud did for his Rebbe. I have a Talmud who's a very big tzaddik. I'm not going to say his name because he'd be upset if I said his name. But he's a very very big tzaddik, and he told me that he has been learning. He was a kid that wasn't from. He was in my class. Totally not from. Totally zero. Today he's not only from, but he's a mashbia. He's, he's got a beard and face, and he looks like forget about. It. He looks a lot from than I mean. Anyway, so he came to me one day. He says, "I just want you to know that in the last kufa, I'm learning 14 hours a day, 14 hours a day straight learning Torah." So he thought I was going to be happy. He says, "14 hours a day. You want me to be happy? You want to make me happy? 19 hours a day." It's really 19 hours a day. That means I can only sleep for five hours. And I have to eat. And I'm like, 19 hours a day, 14 hours a day doesn't do it for me. He says, you're being so unfair. Right? That would be unfair. Imagine you came to me and told me, you're only 14 hours a day. Straight. I'd be like, Rebbe, really? 
no, right, so he said to me, I don't understand, why, why, why are you saying that? So I said, what I saw once, it brings down that in the next world, they work the same way in this world. There's derech eretz, right? So they never allow a Talmud to sit above the Rebbe. It's not derech eretz to have a Talmud to sit above the Rebbe. Talmud can't even sit in the Rebbe's chair, right? So therefore, in the next world, if your Talmud, as ever high he is, you're one step above him. So I said to him, 14 hours, I need 19 hours. <laughs> you need 19 hours, you know where you're going to be? That, and, I, and I'm going to be a step ahead of you. So 19, 14 hours doesn't work. So that's the crack of a Talmud. The crack of a Talmud is, when the crack of a child for his parent in the next world, is a father also can't sit underneath where his child is. So a person, the higher you get, the bigger sound that you are, the further you push your parents to sit above you. It's a, a, a very, very big source. So my bracha to everyone is, that it's chas v'shalom. You were bitten by the nachash. What does it mean, bitten by the nachash? person doesn't have veira. He's the satan. The nachash is a satan. You should take the venom and turn it into anti-venom. You should take that venom, you should look at that Avera, you should look at your what you went through, whatever it is, and you should be able to turn that around and to use it, just the opposite. When you do an Avera, and you do, I spoke a lot about this, the Shabbos, and you do Tshuva Me'ava, it becomes a mitzvah. Now if you're going to say, okay, then we'll do a thousand Averis, then I'll do Tshuva Me'ava, and they'll all become mitzvahs. That's amazing, it's more fun than doing mitzvahs. I'll do Averis, I'll do Tshuva, right? It's great. I'll eat chazer, I'll eat this, I'll girls, this, that, I'll do all these averes, then I'll do tshuva, they become mitzvahs. Why? Why should I do a hundred mitzvahs? I'll do a hundred averes, I'll do tshuva, it'll be a hundred mitzvahs. A lot more fun. A lot more fun. Right? If tshuva me'ava turns into a mitzvah, and the answer is, the Rambam says, if you do it avera, amenas, then you're going to do tshuva, Hashem will never give you the chance. Either you'll die, or you'll, be, you'll never get a chance to do the tshuva. You now do an avera, but the maisa, tshuva has the power, to turn the Avera into a mitzvah. That's what it means, the taking the, ve- the, the, the venom, what happened to you, doing tshuva, turning it into anti-venom, and that's taka, that taka will be what heals you. Jobi Zaychet to be healed, and um, to once again see the man, the time to the Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.